Hi, I'm David Pogue. Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your digital home for the RVing lifestyle. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com for additional information about each episode. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And once again, we are talking to you from our at-home studio, having (laughs) intentions of having moved a bit further afield for one of our annual little field trips to exercise the motorhome. Yes. But instead, we are hiding from tornadoes. So if you hear the emergency radio go off, you'll know that we have to duck into the basement. Uh, we're lucky to have a basement. Oh, duck yes. into the basement to avoid the tornado. We do appreciate the several of you who inquired about whether the tornado in in uh, Naperville, Illinois was uh, near us, and it certainly was, uh, but we avoided any damage, and we are in good shape. But we planned on being on the road at the moment. But due to the storm weather radio going off all the time and these tornadoes and storms all day today, we are sitting here and we thought, well, let's talk to our neighbors and friends on the RV Navigator because it is getting near the end of the month. And we were planning on having a crackling fire and s'mores and sitting out around the fire enjoying the outdoors in Indiana. You remember that many years we go to Indiana in the summertime, the Indiana dunes, dunes, and enjoy the the beach and just kind of give the motorhome a little bit of exercise in the summer and uh, enjoy a little bit of uh, camping. But... We made a reservation to do so back when we were still in Florida, having no idea what the June weather would be like this weekend. Often it's quite good. It has been quite good. That's weather. And if it was a more serious trip, we would probably go anyway and make the most of it. But the idea of blowing away or having a tree fall on us seems like a bad one. So whether we go or not is still to be decided because our reservation actually starts tomorrow and uh, takes us through the end of the month. So we'll see whether that actually transpires. But uh, here we are today, July 2021, episode 195 of the RV Navigator is about to begin and we are ready. Buckle your seatbelt. Buckle your seatbelts, gang, because we're in the mode. Well, it's not that exciting. No, but we are. (laughs) (laughs) But we are broadcasting on a brand new computer. Oh, yes, which you are in hog heaven. Yes. Because it's so fast. So fast. It's one of the new iMac. M1 computers, and we have uh, replaced the computer that we ordinarily take in the motorhome, and it is uh, recording this live and doing a great job, as usual, but uh, I've noticed on other things that it is extremely fast. If you're looking at uh, getting a new computer, the M1 Max seem to be really something to aspire to and will be uh, as they develop. This is the first in the line of chips so that uh, they have many faster iterations to come down the road, and we can look forward to that. I'll be looking at uh, nice new laptops and all sorts of other good computers. But I have to think our listeners won't be able to tell the difference, will they? No. It'll be faster. (laughs) (laughs) You'll get the editing done faster? Uh, yeah, I don't know how this will go. This will be, I haven't done any editing on this yet. Uh, but uh, one of the things that I did have to do is um, 
I bought an external SSD. Um, SSD stands for a, a solid state drive. Uh, the internal drive, this is the first uh, desktop Mac that we've had that has an SSD. SSDs provide a huge speed increase in terms of uh, accessing the memory of the computer. And they are expensive. <laughs> And the internal ones are really expensive. So I bought a fairly small internal one with the idea that I would get an external one because the new ports, having Thunderbolt or USB-C as the output port, they're much faster than before. And boy, did I notice a difference there. So that the external drive is almost as fast as the internal drive. Now I bought a drive spec piece of software that will allow you to check the speed. I checked the speed on a standard spinning hard drive. It was in the 30 to 40 megabit per second range. 30 to 40. Then I did the internal wait, the external SSD, and it was in the five to 600 megabits a second range. Huge. And then I did the internal SSD on this machine, and it was in the 3,000 range. Double huge. But five to 600 is good, and that uh, allows us to do most of the things we would ordinarily need to access uh, in almost real time. So I'm happy with the external drive, and I've attached it with Velcro to the back of the machine so that it'll be just like it's part of it. Ooh, too much tech, huh? Really? I'm ready to fall asleep. But, of course, we are using Big Sur, and you are enjoying Big Sur, right? That's the latest iteration <laughs> of the iOS. Yeah, but I bring that up because we are featured. No, no. We are we, a small... We show up on a page... <laughs> Of a book <laughs> written by Ken Zero, David Pogue, who has been introducing this podcast to you on a monthly basis yes. since we met with him. Yes, and thanks to Cynthia who, for spotting this obscure reference to the RV Navigator in David's book. I don't think that this was intentional, but in one of the pictures, which if you take a look at the episode webpage for today, for this episode, you will see at the bottom he has a cut-off podcast uh, entry and it has we are there whoop de doo we, we our pictures are in David Pogue's book about Big Sur so go out and buy the book so that you can see us for our friend David <laughs> oh boy every so often we also get emails from people who are trying to go back and listen to some of our mm. oldest podcasts and I know we've talked before this about Ken's frustrations with our hosting service who goofed up slash lost many of our older episodes. Is he that was, a technical term? He was able to find some of them at home, which he put back up, but there were about 12 that oh, just seemed to be no, totally missing. Yeah, well, as, I what just assumed that all web hosting services would always just have backups of everything and you'd never lose anything, but apparently that's not the case. So weren't these 12 the final missing yeah, podcasts? Yeah, well, I think so. And so we we had, they're now all, thanks all there. To Listener, did you spell that right? N O M D E. N O M D E. I believe so. So that's his name. Yeah. Uh, he went. <laughs> he's been going back and listening to all the old podcasts and found that there were several that were missing, which I knew, but I had kind of just uh, blown it off as something that, well, that's the way it goes. They have been lost to history, 
Since we've been doing this, I have always downloaded the podcast. At first, I did it because I thought I would listen to us, which never happened. But then it became kind of a check for Ken to see if I could download it, then anybody could download it. And once in a while, uh, it didn't work. I could alert him to a problem before the emails from you all started pouring in. And we went back and saw that the missing episodes were indeed housed on my laptop in my archive. But, housed is the word. But the files were no longer accessible. Do I have that right? This is like a mystery from space. <laughs> it's, it, it, it just defies my understanding of how podcasting works. Because basically when you uh, request or you want to get a podcast, you want to download it, you go off to the server and it downloads it to your computer. And then you listen to it. Or you stream it. One of the two. And... I had gone back to our server to look for these podcasts, and like he found, there was there was nothing there. The podcast episode was missing, and I didn't have it archived uh, locally, so I couldn't upload new copies of it. Um, I did upload about fifteen or twenty that, that I did have. that I did find, but there were these uh, there missing was, episodes that was quite in, a while ago. in the two thousand eight range. I mean, it was a long time at the ago. very beginning. <laughs> And Martha's computer had them. Could play them. Could play them. And I said, well, that, oh, okay, so she has the file someplace. So we did a search. I looked all through her hard drive, and it played without being connected to the Internet. So I had them. So you had them. Somehow. And Somewhere. I couldn't find where the files were located. They were just... The, there, but the not ghosts there. Of the old the, <laughs> this is very untechnology. <laughs> but, but I couldn't deny that they were there. So I carefully plugged into the headphone jack and re-recorded them each episode individually, and they all played fine. It was just amazing to me that this that this was even possible. I had never even considered this as an option. I just assumed if I didn't have the files someplace and they weren't on the server that bleep, they were gone. But every episode was there. And frankly, it gave me a chance to go back and listen to some of the oldie, oldie episodes. You understand that we've been re recording this since 2006. That was a long time ago, and wow. technology has changed. Just a bit. And I guess that's one of the things that's kind of interesting, is that historically, you're going to want to, as you get older, you're going to want to go back and listen. So I would strongly recommend that you make some sort of record about what you're doing on a daily basis, just for the historical record. Anyway. And when you're in the throes of whatever it is you're doing, you feel like you will never forget it, but oh. you certainly do. In addition to the podcast, I, as you probably know, I've been a loyal blogger since I have retired, and it's, I would say, rarely a month goes by that I'm not looking up some blog entry from back in the day, because we can no longer wor remember where we were or what we were doing, and it becomes what relevant. What year it was. It becomes relevant to something that we want to do next or tell somebody about. It's just very interesting to see uh, where you were at in 2008. <laughs> so take a word from the wise man in the blogging sphere. Keep some notes about what you're doing today. Anyway, I was tempted, and I listened to several of these episodes, 
<laughs> some of our listeners are much more loyal at this than I am. Well, some of you have actually said that you've listened to all of them. So kudos that, to you. Kudos to you. And, uh, by the way, if you have been disappointed because you couldn't hear these uh, 12 or 13 episodes. They're there. Well, not only are they there, but I have a zip file, which I will be more than happy to send you, that uh, will complete the collection <laughs> so that in case uh, things happen again, you will have the complete collection. But will you be able to sell them as DFTs or whatever it is that people are doing with original pieces? FT, F- fungible token, token transfers? Something. That people are doing with works of art these days? Oh, really? I hadn't even thought about doing that. <laughs> Never mind. Seems- these, are, these will be for sale. <laughs> the original rights. <laughs> But they're not the originals. Is anything we do worth anything? You copied my my copies. Anyway, we're glad we found them. We're glad they're there if you want to. And if you'd like to, as I say, I'll be happy to send you, if you send me an email, I'll be happy to send you a zip file that contains the missing ones, these these few that are missing. Although I have put them back up on the server, and uh, as far as I can tell, they seem to work. This is, uh, was episodes 20-ish. And 12 was one of them. 12, 9, 12, It was 13. intermittent. Yeah, it, it, was, no yeah it was a strange, strange collection. Anyway, uh, we are anxious to travel. And uh, it seems what like, a surprise. It seems like COVID is uh, really on the wane, which is uh, good news, uh, on the wane throughout the world. Things are opening up much faster than people expected. We went to a movie. We've been to an indoor concert. We've been to an outdoor concert in the Chicagoland area here. We love it here in the summer. And after 18 months of not being on an airplane, not being on a cruise ship, we're about to do both in the next month. So Fingers be, crossed. Fingers crossed. Well, the cruise companies are desperate, and so they have offered us a deal. We didn't plan on cruising or taking an airplane until next January, January, January of 2000. That's whatever year that is, 2022. Over. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, old age sneaks up on you. Anyway, uh, we had not planned on traveling, really, until then. We were going to go on our motorhome, take a trip out west, which we're still planning on doing. But we were offered a, not a free cruise by any means, but a... An affordable cruise on an unaffordable cruise line. A two-for-one deal (laughs) on a cruise line. And I said, oh, that, I looked, they sent me an email, and I said, that looks like an interesting itinerary. Now, for us, we, have to, we are itinerary-driven, so an interesting itinerary is one that's going to be a little bit off the beaten track. That and you this, may or may not have heard much about. Right. And that's when I went back to the blog to see the last time we had been in Malta, and it was 10 years ago, and I wrote, this place is gorgeous, we have to come back. And now we finally are. So we're doing a round-trip cruise from Malta. Now, I didn't know that... <laughs> I'm naive. I didn't know that Malta was an independent country. I thought it was part of Italy. You weren't paying attention to the blog when I wrote it 10 years ago. <laughs> I knew that it was a beautiful country. I know I've got some great pictures, but uh, and one that hangs in our living room is from Malta. And I knew I wanted to go back, but I didn't know that it was an independent country that speaks English, drives on the left. It's not Italian or European really at all. But we are traveling to Croatia on a cruise ship, on a cruise ship from, from Malta. Malta. And this will be a very interesting experience. So next month we will have lots to talk about in terms of how we, well, whether we actually went. They have canceled the cruise before ours. 
ours leaves on the 14th of July, and it will. there's a series of uh, 10 or so of these itineraries that are going from Malta to Croatia over the next two or three months, and ours is going to be number one, which we never intended. But it kind of fit into our schedule, so we decided to hit the road. Most of the details were fairly easy to accomplish. We assume that we're going to need some kind of a PCR, that's the spitting in the tube, uh, COVID test right before we leave. We've called around here at home. It seems like someone will do that for us. We haven't the, had a COVID test in a long time. Within the time frame that they yeah, require. Most of this trip is much cheaper than we would expect, but we did find getting to the airport, which is about an hour's <laughs> drive from our house, to have gotten incredibly expensive. Sometimes we've rented a car and driven ourselves. If you pay attention to the rental car news these days, that's very pricey. And we've taken a limo sometimes, and that doubled in price. So uh, the travel industry is still shaking itself out, and we hope that we will have positive memories and favorable good news about this trip when we speak to you again next month. We always like to travel from O'Hare because you can fly almost any place in the world uh, without... But not Malta. Not nonstop. Uh, but this trip, we have to make a stop. We'll be flying from Chicago to Munich via Lufthansa and then on to Malta. So this will be quite an interesting experience and we're planning on making a video log, a video blog of the beginning of the trip. So if you have never seen us in video, <laughs> stay tuned. They all saw our, us on CBS our... Sunday morning with David Pope. That's true. But that was a long time ago when we were young. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to make a, a, a vlog of this uh, journey just because it is so new. And will we? Will it transpire? As you might guess, we've been watching a lot of other people's vlogs on YouTube to get a refresher course on Malta and the coast of Croatia, where we've been, but it's been a long time. And it's been interesting to long? see other travelers who are wearing masks and working their way through the COVID requirements within even the last month. This is a very fluid situation, as you might already know. So we don't know quite what to expect. And we're hoping that if we make a little video, that might help those that come behind us to uh, be better prepared. And it's going to be very interesting to see this in a couple of years to see in retroactively what uh, COVID did to us in terms of uh, traveling. So uh, stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. We have a lot to do in the next month. We are always talk about going on last-minute cruises. And we never have time. <laughs> this time we're, we're heading off with less than six weeks' uh, notice, and it's actually just two weeks from today that we will be on the road to Malta. Uh, if you don't know where Malta is, it's off the coast of Italy. It's at the bottom of Italy, south of Sicily. And Sicily is part of Italy. Right. But Malta isn't. No. Why? Because it's its own country. Think about the Knights. It's been conquered by everybody. Uh, everybody has lived there. Why is there Sicily part of its own, well, its own country? At times it wasn't. Depends what part of history you're talking about. But today it's part so of Italy. So you've got your beloved Roman runes and Norman runes and Arab runes and... Everybody who was anybody in history has gone through Malta one time or another. It's really a crossroads. It's at the crossroads of the Mediterranean. Okay, so. Most recently it belonged to the British, which is why we are hoping to encounter some English, which isn't necessarily the case. We'll see. 
So we always talk about digging a hole straight through the earth, and where would you be on the other side? The Pacific Ocean. (laughs) There is a new website, which, of course, you could find on the episode 195 webpage, which uh, allows you to look at what's exactly halfway around the world. (laughs) You always hear the, if I dug through, I would be in China. Not, not. True for us. Not true for us, absolutely. I don't think most of North America, when you dig through, you'd be in the South Pacific, America does better. South, you'd be in the South Pacific someplace. Right. In the ocean. There's another part but on that is, website that shows you sister <laughs> cities that are exactly opposite each other on the globe. But if you take a look at this map, it kind of uh, brings home exactly uh, where you are in the world and where you are relative. But we find out that if we travel uh, to New Zealand, that is more than halfway around around the world, which we have done a few times. No wonder we're jet-lagged when we get there. We're also going to put up a a cool website that tells you the top attraction of every country in the world for tourists. We were shocked to see that the top attraction for the United States is Central (laughs) Park. New York City. A lot of movies filmed there. Yeah, well, there's a lot of... I in mean, New Central York, Park is known... For, New York, that, that's our number one attraction. Take a the, look at the website. It's interesting. Okay, so where will you find that? At mymodernmet.com. You'll find the link on our web page at episode 195, right? Okay. Of the com. So uh, let us know what you think about these things, and we will uh, share this uh, these websites with you if you enjoy that. One of the things that I found out from episode 20 was that uh, I was just buying my first DSLR, which is hard to believe, <laughs> and I had bought for it because it was a 10-megapixel camera. Wow! I had bought with it an 8-gigabyte memory card, which I thought was huge. I just replaced my camera, my little <laughs> camera, and got a 64-megabit memory card. Which works for a whole trip for me. But wow, what a difference. And I just put into my video camera, I just put a 256 gigabyte. 8 into 256 is something. 64? It's 64 times bigger? I'm doing that off the top of my non-mathematical head. Anyway, and I had just bought my first waterproof camera, and now I'm on my fourth or fifth waterproof camera. I now have a tough 6 so where are all these old cameras that you have been buying over the years? Well, I decided that I was tired of carrying around the DSLR. I've gone through three or four iterations of DSLRs, and lately, because of, I don't know, size issues, the cameras became heavy because the lenses are heavy and the cameras are heavy and they're big, and it's a lot to carry around. So I decided to switch platforms. da 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 And now I decided to go to four-thirds which is a format that's been around for quite a while, run run primarily by Olympus and Panasonic. So I bought a new digital SLR, Olympus uh, OMD, and this is going to replace my one-inch sensor with this new four-thirds sensor. And I'm buying lenses and stuff to go with it, and it's a much smaller package. 
um, and many cool features, including six stops of image stabilization, which means you can virtually eliminate the need for a tripod. It has stargazing capabilities, so I can take pictures of the stars at night. Anyway, the new camera has tons and tons of, of great new features, and I'm looking forward to it. And it's about half the size of my old system. But you didn't answer my question. Uh. We are lucky to have a basement which has infinite storage <laughs> space, apparently. Um, and you've I gone had, through many iterations of cameras between the two that you've talked about just yes. now. So where are all the old ones? If you have the need to sell old gear that's still in pretty good shape, there is a company, a website, uh, KEH Camera, KEH.com, which actually will buy your old stuff. And that's very cool because it was in pretty good shape. And for somebody who maybe wanted, you know, you can go to Craigslist or... To me, that's kind of a specialized audience. You're not going to just find yeah. people in your neighborhood who want to buy was, your old camera. I was gear. hoping to get maybe $500 for the the stuff, and they gave me 1500 So you could buy more lenses. So I was able to t- turn that around, and if you trade in and you buy they had some lenses for the new system so i was able to buy some new lenses and wow and recycle instead of filling the landfill exactly and it made my wife extremely happy indeed it's keh.com uh take a look at their website if you're looking to buy something and you're not a heavy duty user like me um i bought a couple of lenses and they came and they were in great shape and uh i saved quite a few bucks buying used i never would have thought that i would buy used gear in the four-thirds realm and if you're looking at a new slr um Digital SLR, the four-thirds format looks like one that is really viable. Uh, the nice thing is is there's a huge range of, range of lenses because the four-thirds mount is universal among several manufacturers. So that you can buy, I bought Panasonic lenses, I bought Olympus lenses, and you can buy others that are not third-party, but uh, these are manufacturer's lenses that uh, will fit the camera and because it has a universal mount. And because the sensor is not as big as some of the old ones, the lenses are not as big. So I can get uh, really a long-reach lens that uh, is very useful. And I can, I can actually carry it. Are you bringing all this stuff to Malta? Oh, yeah. All of it? No. You have some long lenses, right? Oh, that's definitely coming. Oh. To me, those are shooting at lions kind of lenses. Well, I figure I shouldn't bring the long lens. That's up to you if you can carry it. I don't know. Just bring, I, some, I, just bring some clothes, too, if you would. We have not packed. Well, it's going to be summer. I can just wear shorts. <laughs> We're going on a fancy cruise with fancy people. There are no formal nights, though. But there's still fancy people. There are no formal nights. That's true. So I don't need to bring a tie. And this ship has no singing, dancing girls. And no casinos. So this is a uh, ought to be an interesting ship, and, and it's a brand new ship from Viking, Viking we never Venus, said that. which is in inaugural sailings this month. So that it is brand new, and it'll be really fun to try out this. <laughs> and we're anxious to travel. Oh, can't wait! Fifteen months since we've been on a cruise, and eighteen months since we've been on a on an airplane. He gods, that's a long time. One of the selling points for Viking is that they try to sell you the total package rather than nickel and diming you to death. So 
The cruise includes wine at meals. It includes a shore excursion every day. But being an experienced cruiser, I keep adding in my head whether I'm really saving money, not that it matters, because when we go on a cruise, we pay for the cruise up front, and then we pay for what we drink and the shore excursions afterwards. So I'm wondering grand total wise whether it's a saving it's different a different strategy and approach that's for sure we had a comment from a listener i would like to know if a vpn is all right for my desktop computer look out for my phone with consumer cellular and i will need something else to avoid being spied on or someone stealing my data which is the best vpn i could use this is all to stay safe online without any following and spying on me. VPNs only take you part way. A VPN is? Virtual private network. Oh, my God. She actually, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, I didn't set that up. <laughs> she actually knows. I can talk the talk. I just can't walk the walk. Uh, what a VPN does is that it encrypts the data between you and the server, but it doesn't stop people from spying on you. Oh, well, it doesn't. <laughs> they know it, it. They can put cookies on your computer, for instance, because the data is encrypted. So it saves somebody from intercepting your data between you and the host. But it doesn't stop the host from spying on you. So one of the nice things is is that the new Mac operating system, and maybe Windows 11 also does this too, but the new Safari has a VPN built in, the Safari browser, and they have a spyware. Oh, this is cool. They have a spyware uh, notifier, a browser extension, which allows you to see how many people are spying on you. (laughs) Yeah. It's on my laptop. How many people are spying on you? It's amazing. Oh, that's deeper. So they're spying on you by putting cookies and Uh by uh, looking at your data. But encryption of the data does not stop them from doing that. So you need a second piece of software in order to keep track and to limit the cookies. And, of course, Apple is at the forefront of that, and they are stopping that big time with their latest operating system. So that would be true for any Apple product that's current? I would assume so. Because uh-huh. he re- referred to his phone, too, and people use iPads. He, he, and I'm not familiar with Lookout for my phone. Uh-huh. But don't think that a VPN is going to stop people from spying on you. Now, spying is different than intercepting. So, uh, at least I take it that way, where they put cookies in and keep track of where you what, what websites you go to and that sort of stuff. That's still just as easy to do, regardless of whether or not you have a VPN. Because it's becoming ever more clear these days that you are the most profitable part of this whole operation as the companies gather data about you and your consumption and where you put your money. And the headline of this article is, Vizio TV buyers are becoming the product Vizio sells. Not just its customers. Customers. Wow. Vizio is widely regarded as one of the world, uh, world's best bang-for-the-buck brands for consumers, but those competitive prices may come with a downside, becoming subject to targeted advertising and monetized personal data collection. Vizio just posted its first public earnings report wherein it revealed that profits from this part of its business that is built around collecting and selling user data as well as targeting advertisers at users 
totaled $38.4 million for that quarter. That's less than the $48.2 million of profit generated by device sales in the same quarter, but data and advertising products grew significantly year after year, while actual device sales grew comparatively slowly. These digital products are still nowhere near close to device sales and total revenue, however. The, di- the data and digital-related products added up to only 7.2% percent of global, of global revenue. revenue. But Vizio is earning 7.2% percentage of its revenue from selling your data. Where does it get that data? It's putting cookies and stuff on my on my TV. It's keeping no. track of what I'm watching on TV. If you hook up your TV to, to Wi-Fi, the uh-huh. to the Internet... And you're using apps and things on your TV, your Vizio TV. They are taking that information and selling it to advertisers and other people, anybody who, without really telling you. And of course, because TVs are something that you buy once every five or six years, or maybe ten years, that's a long time that they can keep track of your data without you really knowing much about it. And you have no way of you have no way of clearing the cookies. You have no way of of stopping this. Then why Except, did they confess to this this particular quarter? Because it's part of their earnings report? Yeah, they had to? They didn't really confess. Oh, people figured it out. <laughs> they just said, somebody said, wait a minute. They made $38 million from selling data, and they only made $48 million from selling, selling TVs. profits from selling TVs. Wait a minute. <laughs> so Vizio is subsidizing... And I'm sure all the other TV manufacturers are doing this. Every time you make a download, and it's so easy to sit in front of your TV and say, use one remote and say, I'm going to go to Netflix, I'm going to go to Hulu, I'm going to go to Apple TV, and it's all there on your TV set. And they are then taking that data that they collect on you. God, I hope they're not watching with the camera. <laughs> I better do my makeup while I'm still in bed. <laughs> I better dress up before I go be in front of my Vizio TV. We don't have a Vizio, but uh, I'm sure that everybody is doing this. I think and we have that, so, haven't we, in the motorhome? So how do you stop this? I'm going to do this. Disconnect your, your TV, TV from, from the, the internet. Uh-huh. From, turn off the Wi-Fi on your TV set if, if this bothers you. If it doesn't bother you, well, okay. But I found that to be kind of a fascinating sort of thing. <sighs> But does it prevent you then from having to watch commercials? Prevent you? Well, probably they use it to customize the commercials. But I don't know how the TV does that. I don't know. It's this is the problem is is that they are very uh, opaque about this. My my first reaction is is one of great anger. But then I have to say all this stuff costs money to produce, and somebody has to pay for it somehow, some way. I don't know. That makes the TVs cheaper. Uh, like with Apple, I would rather pay a little bit more yeah. and have more security. Yeah. <laughs> so certainly that's the case for our generation, but I think for younger people, this is kind of the world oh, they've, they live in, that they are the product. It'll be interesting to come back to this in 15 years. Yeah, see how we feel about it all. Feel about this, as Big Brother has cameras in the ceiling watching you every minute. <laughs> uh, yeah, that could happen. Um, we've been to a few RV shows, and they have what they call IPTV. And that's uh, another uh, sample of this, IP, Internet Protocol TV. And the guy's there sampling, and he says, with uh, this software, you can get download or you can watch uh, 200 channels all for free. I thought it was more than 200. Okay, 2,000. Yeah. (laughs) 
2,000 sounds a little bit high, but IPTV is something that sounds too good to be true, and it probably is. It Does it sound fishy? The question comes from Jeffrey, who says, I continually get emails from an IPTV company offering 2,000 channel, 2, channels yeah. for one low monthly price. Am I right to think this sounds fishy? You betcha. And what are they doing? They're going to be collecting data on you, and your ISP may find that uh, you are violating their rules because you're circumventing the security systems. Is this the one I'm remembering where they said they they invented this system yes. for the military so that um, our yes. troops all over the world could watch American TV? Yep. And we were just piggybacking on, yep. on that service? Uh-huh. It sounds so patriotic and it legitimate, does. It does. but it isn't. When it comes to streaming TV services, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Uh, these days, any legitimate streaming service will shy away from calling itself IPTV provider. Why? While the acronym IPTV accurately describes the delivery of television over the Internet, this word has been co-opted by disreputable organizations, often operating outside of the U.S. and Canada, selling access to content they have no right to distribute. So you're definitely violating... So they're breaking copyright. All sorts of things. Streaming illegal IPTV could put you in hot water with your ISP at best, and at worst... Put your personal information or home network in jeopardy. That's why it's best to stick with legitimate brand name services like Sling, Philo, Disney Plus, and others. And if you're interested in getting local TV over the Internet, there is a service called Locast, L-O-C-A-S-T dot com, and they stream local channels. We've used this a few times. If you're having a tough time with your over-the-air antenna or if you just assume not use your OTA, then you might want to take a look at Locast, and Locast is legitimate. They have service in most major metropolitan cities in the country, and they offer all of the local channels for free. Now... They are a .org, which means they are nonprofit, but that means also that they are asking you for money, kind of like public television. So they recommend that you pay them $5 a month to get rid of their ads, which are in addition to the ads that you will see on the regular TV. But Locast does have this uh, option. Oh, it's Locast.org, not Yeah, you said that. You said that. I know, but I also read it at the beginning. It was Locast.com. Anyway, um, this is a nice service for our viewers, and if you do a lot of streaming, then uh, this is a way to get local channels. Could you right now be watching for the tornadoes that I have my left eye on as we are talking here for the podcast? Uh, I can watch in all the regular channels. It's like right away. Yeah. It's, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's live. Uh-huh. It's live TV, uh-huh. and you can't record it. You have to watch it live. Uh-huh. Now, we have a device in our basement, which I've mentioned a few times. This device is called Tableau, and this is a hardware device that you plug in at home, uh, put it on your network, and then it broadcasts your local TV channels to any place that you are in the world. And this is like a private network. It's legal. And it allows us to watch Chicago TV while we're in Florida or anyplace else. We'll be watching it, I'm sure, as we travel to. Or watching the Bears game while you are in London. Exactly. All that sort of thing happens, plus that you can record. Uh, That's Tableau. The device costs $150. It's a one-time expense. And you have uh, this capability, which is, to me, extremely cool. 
One of the things I noticed about our earlier podcasts is they were much shorter than they are now. We're getting windier and windier. <laughs> As we pass uh, the 40-minute mark here, I'm thinking, the less, I, have a, I have a lot to go here on my, my cheat do, sheet the, of, of topics to talk about and le- I'm at 40 minutes, and I'm wondering how I'm going to get it all done in the last 20 minutes. The less we do, the more we have to say. <laughs> So COVID has increased. <laughs> our, our episodes were less than half an hour. Yeah. I can't believe talking less than half an hour. Well, I remember in those early days, I thought, who the hell is going to even be listening to this? And why should I waste my time on talking yeah, more? One of the podcasts I talk about that we passed the 500 mark. Yeah. yeah well, 500. And well, now we're... And there were so many years where we had to explain to people, especially people our age, what on earth a podcast was. And now people are making zillions of dollars as podcasters. They're leaving Hollywood and making their living um, chatting, just like we are doing now. Where did we miss the boat? It's. I feel like kind of like the old man of podcasting. Yeah. I'm scraping my beard here. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I remember the good old days All when right. the podcasts were only half an hour long. Back to content. Oh, yes, back to content. But if you want to stream TV, you can stream quite a lot for free. There are several services which you can which you can use, and I'm going to provide you with a link. And where will that link be? On our website. Ah, on the rvnavigator.com episode 195 you will find uh links to these uh, to this article but they talk about several which we have not tried but it sounds like uh, it would be interesting this is called ways for our viewers to stream free tv or almost free low cast five dollars uh, which we have used Tubi, this free television service allows you to watch tv series movies and tv channels you just download the app and follow the prompts that sounds cool pluto tv with this free provider, you can enjoy TV land sitcoms like Moesha. Want a movie instead? YouTube. And TV land sitcoms tend to be old ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I, I would think for most of these, you're not going to get the stuff that just came out because the stuff that just came out, people are willing to pay more to see. Well, and what we're finding out is you can't figure out how much you're going to have to pay. Right. What has happened with that? Right. You and come to watch something and all of a sudden on Amazon you have to pay extra. They in particular have been naughty lately. Naughty? I figure as a prime viewer I should be able to get the movies I watch there for free. But I, I look them up ahead of time and sometimes it's twelve ninety nine for one movie and sometimes it's two ninety nine, sometimes it's free. You really and you don't do know research. really until you come to watch it. Well, if they to, don't tell yeah. you in advance. Right. So Amazon we're not liking that. Anyway, there's a bunch of services here which you can get some free stuff and you sometimes you have to pay a little bit to get it, but they're all services which you would use for streaming uh, with your streaming stick. And what are you using for streaming these days? Hmm. We'll have to talk about that on a different episode. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I shocked the navigator this morning when she read this. Campground crowding. Demand pricing is more common than thought. Well, obviously, I'm an old dog who is used to the price being the price. That's why I always hate when we buy a new car, because you have to do all that wheeling and dealing. I want the price to be the price. I want it to be the same for everybody. I want to know what it is up front, and then if I think it's worth it, I will pay it. But now, even with campgrounds, they're using demand pricing and surging pricing, and they are keeping records on us to see if we have um, inexpensive rigs and can't afford very much, or nice motorhomes. And this happens with more. airlines all the time. The people sitting next to you probably didn't pay what you paid for the seat. I don't like it. <laughs> 
with dynamic pricing as space fills up in an RV park before offering you a price for a campsite, the park's sophisticated reservation system will determine in a nanosecond not only how many spaces are left to sell, but who will spend the most during their stay. Through artificial intelligence, it will know, for starters, if you're driving a half-million-dollar motor coach or a $15,000 stick and tin trailer. Hmm. If the owner of the luxury rig and the owner of the trailer book at at the last minute, the big rig owner, is, who is likely to be wealthier, might be enticed to pay $90 for a site that normally goes for 45 If he or she can afford it, the family in the expensive trailer will be far less likely to pay the premium price and instead head over to Walmart. The campground owner has thus picked up an extra $45 thanks to an algorithm. What do you think? I don't like it. It's coming to us in the RV world, I'm afraid, ladies and gentlemen. So this when you're is... sitting around that campfire um, sharing a glass of wine with your neighbor next door who you just made friends with, don't ask him what he paid for the site because <laughs> it might be much less than you paid. Oh. Right? That's going to be bad. Well, it's bad on an airplane. You don't ask but, that question to the people sitting yeah, next with to you more on a plane. And I either. assume this will happen with online uh, reservations where you visit a website, you know, like Reserve America, and it then picks the sites and tells you what the price is going to be. Mm-hmm. And that- they have your his- booking history from the past. Yeah. Ooh. And we're, we're expecting that this will lead to some consolidation of the software that campgrounds use to make reservations. Right now, many of them are doing it themselves, which is a lot of work for them and an uneven experience for us who are trying to make the bookings. So if they get some big brothery service that will do that for them, they can use Well, the, it's called they, a computer that's connected to the Internet, and they have the software available for them the, to, the to AI do AI to, to figure out how much you can afford to pay and for it might even And it might even, you know, be available to a number of different uh, campgrounds they would use the same software so it would be interactive Mm -hmm. certainly places like KOA would be uh, definitely using this kind of uh, service so one of the problems that we uh, often have is your refrigerator door pops open Everybody has this problem, don't they? Well, you would think that higher-priced rigs would do a better job of <laughs> well locking the door, so to speak. But uh, it seems to be a fairly universal problem uh-huh. that most of us solve with bungee cords one way or another. But there are some more effective and professional ways to keep the doors of your fridge shut when you are going around a corner. Well, and these days with... Uh, Residential refrigerators—they're not designed to be in a motion. In Swung a, in, around with centrifugal force. So they don't have doors that uh, have locks built in at the factory because they just weren't designed with that in mind. And our fridge, though, has some sort of a lock. We, we have was it two th- fridge doors and one freezer door, and yeah. the fridge doors have a lock, but the freezer does not. Well, is it a built-in factory lock? Yes, it came that way. Well, it, yeah, it came when that we way. bought it, okay. maybe they. But put it, it might have been installed by the at Numar. Yeah. Or, we, but we, we often have this problem where we go around a corner and the drawer flies fl- open. But we have a bungee on it, so it pops it back yeah. shut. Which is kind of Beverly Hillbilly-ish, but it works. And we have a friend who bought a, who had a device made that had like three fingers, and she jams it down, uh-huh. and it holds all the doors. Well, that's the cool thing about this product called the Fridge Fixer. And this is a very interesting product because... It's the first one that I've noticed that's been 3D printed. 
custom oh, made for you. I didn't know that. And this is uh, way cool. So they make it for your rig? Yeah, or for well, your for your fridge. fridge. Uh-huh. And on demand, I, I would think. The fridge fixer keeps residential fridge doors closed in RVs. The fridge fixer is a pretty <laughs> clever solution to having the doors of the fridge fly open during travel. It does not modify the refrigerator and is really, really easy to use and install. Essentially, a bracket is attached to the refrigerator itself that is an extension that fits between the doors and then a plug fits into the extension keeping the doors closed and you can buy this on amazon but you have to put in the make and model of your refrigerator i would have uh, ordered one and had one ready to put in for this mini trip that we're going on but i didn't know the exact make and model and they have a thousand different choices Choices. and it says we custom print these based on the model and make of your refrigerator so that's very cool. And it looked to me like they take advantage of some of the holes that are already drilled into your fridge, and you just put this thing in instead. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if we'll be able to do that now, since we have half of a fridge lock already. Well, well we take off the old one. Well, anyway, so we need some feedback from our listeners that will tell us how they've used this and whether it's viable. And someone mentioned that when they had the bungee cords on theirs, their child went and tried to get a cold drink and couldn't handle the sprunginess of the cord and it flew off in his face and cut him with the hook. Uh, These could be dangerous, so something a little more user-friendly would be wonderful for us all. So that's it for the RV Navigator for the month of July. 2021. We hope to see you in a campground near us, but well, we're not sure if we're going to make it this month or not. <laughs> because, well, hey, we're lucky that the alarm didn't go off. It's the, getting the radio darker, did, but again, it is though. getting darker. We've had several inches of rain after being very dry for most of June. We could have gone any day in June, but we didn't have a reservation, so we didn't go. And so now, here, right at the very end of June, we may be disappointed. We may be disappointed, but. We will have lots to talk about uh, in the near future, and we hope to hear from you as we travel down the road, but not in our RV. No. So. Stay safe, stay happy. Hope we see you as we travel down the road. As we travel down the road, seeing you in a campground near us. Thanks. Thanks.